afternoon. You are chatting with Jade Robin. It's 25 minutes to 2 o'clock. What I love so much about Adelaide is the parklands. Everywhere you go, it's just surrounded by beauty. And we're so lucky. You know, if you work in the city, you got a lunch break, pop down. You don't have to walk too far. And you're surrounded by a stunning park. And that's just not the city. That's nearly the whole state. We have got such a beautiful state. And the good thing is the government are investing a lot of money in improvements all around the place. I'm joined in the studio by Sandy Pitcher, who is the Chief Executive of the Department of Environment, Water and Natural Resources. Also, Ian Failer, founder of Escape Goat Mountain Bike Tours, and also Simon Hutchinson, the Director of Climbing Trees. Guys, thanks so much for coming in. Nice to have you company. Thanks for bringing us. Now, I wanted to ask you, what prompted the state government to spend nearly 10 million bucks to connect city people to nature? Well, I think for the government, it was a recognition that we have all of these amazing parks just on our doorstep, Mm. but actually... Sometimes families weren't really going out and being in those and they weren't really having that way to connect into the parks and so it had become a little bit of a, unless you're an expert bushwalker, perhaps you weren't using what was right on your doorstep. So we had a huge community conversation with people and really asked them what would need to change for you to use that park on your doorstep a bit more. And what they say? Well, it turned out there were some of the most um, obvious things that Mm -hmm. we think about, like, you know, needing a toilet to be able to use and um, it'd be nice if there was coffee in the vicinity. But actually things like being able to walk dogs in parks, being able to use bikes and mountain biking in parks came up. And when we talked to kids, and there was really great conversations with kids, they were really interested in the way that they can play and be in a park. So the conversations really sparked lots of different ideas. So whereabouts are you investing money at the moment? Well, there's a whole range of different parks and different things that we're doing. So Cobblers Creek has mm-hmm. got a beautiful new playground and bike area that has seen the visitation really um, skyrocket. So people in that area have said to me that they'd never used that park before and now they're visiting it at huge numbers. So that's an example of how you really change a space with just a few things that makes it really welcoming. Um, Anstey's Hill is another place and that mm-hmm. recently hosted the Secret River as part of the festival and that brought people people to the park for a really important play that talked about Aboriginal reconciliation, but also brought families and people to the park that wouldn't have come before. Now, what projects are underway presently in the metro parks that may be of interest to to families and also young children? Well, as a mum, the one I am so excited about, and it can't happen soon enough for Mm -hmm. me, is the Morialta Conservation Park. And this is going to be such a showcase for our whole um, community. I think people are going to travel far and wide. Oh, great. What are they doing? So it's a playground area. Do you want me to talk yeah. to one? Because I'm the one who's building yes, it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, Let's actually get stuff. the builder, yes. not the parent. Yeah, nice. Yeah. What are you no, doing? No, <laughs> no, so, yeah, so I've been given that amazing job of uh, sort of designing and building the uh, natural play space there. And I kind of think of it as uh, something that's going to replace the uh, St Kilda and the Monash that uh, of the old and, mm-hmm. and create something that's uh, an, a real adventure playground. Because originally when we looked at the park and, and Moriolta really really means a lot to me because I spent a lot of time rock climbing there when I was at university and it's an absolutely stunning space that's 15 minutes out of the city and uh, and like uh, it was said that it, you know not a lot of people don't realize it's there so what we're creating it's already a beautiful space and we're creating we're 
breaking away from the traditional sort of playground mm -hmm. and dividing it up into five play pods. And they're all sort of different, have uh, Ghana names and themes to them. Yes. And one of the ones that I think is my favourite is the Frog Island, which is uh, right in the middle. And already it was an amazing play space for kids are building cubbies and playing in the creek there. So we've just done a little bit of stuff there to legitimise that as a play space and, and allow the kids to play. Because what we saw was a lot of parents weren't letting their kids actually go down there and play in there. So, you know, hopefully that will be a really popular space. We've got a giant uh, giant eagle's nest tower and a kookaburra's nest, which is a yeah. series of these giant nests that the kids can crawl in and a giant uh, snake which they can crawl over, under, through with a creek bed in that one too and some giant uh, bouldering rocks that they can sort of get a taste of rock climbing and hopefully progress up the creek uh, further to uh, some real rock climbing. So. How important was it for you to get kids back to nature? It's uh, For me and my business, that's what it's all about. I, yeah. I come from a teaching background and certainly where I came from, I, I grew up in York Peninsula and had, had the free-range childhood that most of us had where, you know, you got kicked out of the door and uh, weren't allowed back in until the streetlights came on or, you know, <laughs> mum whistled you <laughs> back. Oh, the for, good old days. I know. Yeah. How good was it? You know? I'd love to see that come back. And, and, and you know, when you said, you know, the kids, the parents w wouldn't let their kids go down to the creek and, mm. you know, as a parent, I kind of get that, but it's mm. also like... Who cares if they get their shoes wet? Who cares exactly. if they scratch their knee? I get the whole, oh, what if they fall in the creek and, and can't swim? Sure, yeah. fair enough. But when you're dealing with just little creeks and rocks, you just you want the kids to feel it, yeah. touch it, know. And I think some parents forget what it was like when they were kids mm. too. And that's usually my question with some difficult parents that so won't true. let them kids get dirty. I'm like, what did you do when you were a kid? And, you know, how did that make you the person you are today? And, and yeah. they soon realise that those, you know, those things, that opportunity to get dirty and play and take risks is a part of you know being human and it's how we learn those it little is. scratches and bruises we call them learning injuries because that's what they are they're not a bad thing they're a great thing you know yeah because we do learn from that every time so you know so it's fantastic to sort of encourage that play you know back and get parents you know out i've just uh, recently run something on the weekend that we had 1500 kids running through the mud it was a mud play day or a mud run for uh, under eights and it was just incredible the joy in the was that in millswood uh it was the corner of uh, east uh and South Terrace. So it was oh, okay. I sent the kids off to one in Millswood the other day, and it was brilliant. They yeah. came home. I had to throw out all the clothes because there was just no recovery. <laughs> but God, it was good. I was like, "Whose smart idea is this? Just to get kids to run in mud, like." Awesome. Yeah. Back to nature, get filthy and just learn nature. Mm, that's right. Be in the environment. No, I completely agree. Okay, so how long until we see that one? Uh, fingers crossed if we don't get rainy days like this <laughs> continually. Uh, we'll be uh, playing on that play space sort of, you know, at the start of August, ready for, I think, um, Park of the Month is Morialta for yep. September, I think. So we'll definitely be ready to go then and see some happy, smiling laughter on the, on that play space. So it should be fantastic. Oh, sounds very good. Now, I wanted to also ask you, we understand that camping is going to soon be available in a couple of our metro parks. When and where? That sounds very exciting. Yeah, and I think, again, it's this thing of how do we make the parks available for people who aren't using them at the moment and what what needs to change? And so we're asking people what 
what makes you want to go camping or not camping? And often it was the sort of, oh, God, I have to pack so much in the car, <laughs> we have to drive so far, the kids get sick. So there was a lot of the distance was one of the barriers for people just getting into camping. I think once people have camped a bit, they love, you know, having bigger journeys up to the yeah. blenders. So we're actually going to do um, something that hasn't really happened in Adelaide for a long time, which is have camping available in those parks that really ring the city. So there's Onkaparinka River National Park and Rec Park, mm-hmm. and that's an the southern suburbs um, near Nolunga Downs and then Parawira as well, Parawira Conservation Park in the north which is near One Tree Hill and there's going to be campgrounds, toilets, car parks, trails, there's a lookout um, and even kayak and canoe launches at, at some of the parks. So oh, that's very cool. Yeah. And how's construction going there? When when can we pitch a tent? Well, it's getting closer so we're looking um in time for summer, which is, you know, gives us a bit of leeway for Onkaparinka. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that'll be November, December. And, um, I time think, for the Chrissy holidays. Yeah, that's right. So, and people will be able to book in and get those done. So, and see to horse rides to. and cycling and walking. Yeah, it's nice. Um, what other activities are being held in parks that go beyond, you know, the traditional rest and recreational type activities? Well, particularly with the mountain biking there's mm-hmm. an awful lot of mountain biking now that's happening through the state so that's really really good um it's fantastic that over the last few years um more and more of the parks have been opened up so uh, i set my business up scapegoat adventures back in uh eight, eight about eight years ago yeah and when we first started there was we was just starting running skills tra- training and there was really nowhere in um in the hills that we could actually take people riding because most of the parks were off limits mm-hmm. so um Subsequently, we worked with Duna then. Um, about six, seven years ago, we got special permission to ride through Cleveland and run trips through there. And then since then, um, that's been opened up to general public, mountain biking. Um, and we've had, you know, there's been massive um, trail building down in Craigburn Farm, Sturt Gorge, uh, Shepherd's Hill, Cobblers Creek. So it's just fantastic. The more and more trails are just happening um, and more and more um parks are opening up to mountain biking. And what I love, Ian, is, you know, the other day I was driving up to Stirling and, you know, you've got the mountain bike or a mountain bike track through yep, there. Yep. And it's kids as well. It's not just adults that are involved with mountain biking, is it? Everyone can get involved. Oh, I mean, it's all sorts. So um, particularly, that, like down at Shepherd's Hill, yes. um, uh, there's been great little pump track that's been built and you go there on the weekends and there's there's kids all ages there Mm. the little skills training sessions um so so yeah mountain biking and riding's for all ages and i think the oldest person we've had on one of our tours was a 78 year old guy called um called bill from uh, the u.s who came on one of our trips and rode down mount lofty that's very Um, cool sandy's done the the mount lofty trip with us as well (laughs) um scale of one to ten how hard is it Oh, it was really easy in one way because we were going downhill. Good so point. So that was the best part. I thought that was beautifully planned. <laughs> Didn't have to ride back up the hill at the end. And we did stop for coffee along the way and a bushfire. and yeah. uh, Not a bushfire. Uh, and to visit, we, were, we were stopped in at the wildlife park and stuff yeah, like nice. that. So, I mean, it, it does depend on the days. So I was running the trip this morning and it was certainly a little bit damp up uh, Mount Lofty today. We missed out the views, but um, uh, it's all part of the fun, actually, when, when you actually get out on the mountain bike oh it does it looks awesome um i understand that further money's been spent on bike trails is that right 
Yeah, uh, certainly what we're doing is part of recognising how popular it is and how many people are using them. And because there are so many parts of the trails that can be used for walking and for cycling, we've got another 1.4 million that's going to... Our basic aim is to turn the Mount Lofties into an international mountain biking destination. And so to do that, we're putting some money in getting the plans together and mm. really looking at some new trails as well as the trails that we already use. From all of your experiences, how well, I guess, are South Australians and also tourists from further afield using these trails? Are they, you know, are they coming here and, and you know, lining up and is business growing? Are you seeing a growth? Well, certainly... Um Locals, there are a lot of a lot of locals that mountain bike. Um, it's a very very popular sport, and it's it's growing all the time. So we do a lot of skills training with those locals, and we see see that a lot. Um, the other side of my business is the, the more the tourism side of things, and that's a lot more soft adventure tourism. Mm. So it's not necessarily at the moment we're finding it's not necessarily um, the keen mountain bikers that know about Adelaide, but it's ch- tourists that are coming through for a different experience. And I think this is where we're really needing to focus. It's part of a, hopefully what the department's going to be focusing on is that we've got this amazing this network of trails now. We've got the hills seven kilometres from town. Yeah. Um, and people don't know about it. They don't realise that they, you know, or over, sorry, overseas and interstate visitors don't realise how how great it is to be able to come to Adelaide, stay in the city, and you've got two hundred kilometres of trails within easy reach. And so that really is the, certainly from my point of view, is the focus uh, is what really needs to be focused. We need a few. There's a few more trails to be built. Um, mm. Some fantastic descents. I think some really hero trails that we need f- um, down through Mount Lofty and in that area. Mm. But it's also getting that message out there that we've got these amazing this amazing terrain so close to town. We're going to take a very short break, but afterwards we're going to be talking about World Environment Day and all the fun activities that'll be happening around town for you to get involved in. Good afternoon, it is 1.53 and you're chatting with Jade Robran and we're talking about all the parklands around South Australia and how the government is improving them and I wanted to put the calls out to you. 8223 What is your favourite park around town and where's the best place to take the kids? Have you got any ideas for park? What would you like to see improved around town? Give us a call and let us know. Sandy, it's World Environment Day on Monday, the 5th of June and there's a huge event happening at the showground isn't there to help celebrate it what's that all about what's happening yeah, so we're having a world environment fair and really it's bringing that part of having fun and thinking about the environment mm. into that fair kind of atmosphere again focused on kids and learning and fun and celebration and recognizing in south australia we've got a lot to celebrate so what can people expect to see at the fair kids love getting involved and being hands-on with this sort of stuff don't they oh absolutely and it is all about hands-on so i think we're having the biggest indoor play um playground play space that has ever been based. done yeah yeah and you can tell us a bit more about that i don't want to steal the thunder of the of the so inside. simon you're behind this <laughs> yeah so yes i've got roped into that one as well cool so what are you doing of building Moriota at the same time so <laughs> just a little bit yeah, busy just then. a little bit busy but that's okay so but it should be fantastic i, I absolutely jumped at the opportunity because i think you know the whole essence of you know my business is getting kids outdoors and connecting with nature because if they don't have time in nature yeah. they're never going to love it and want to take care of it so you know 
that's that's what we really need to do. And this is a great celebration of that. So what we'll be doing is, I think we've got about a 20 by 30 uh, metre space that we'll be having a, a, br- a bringing trucking in and craning in a tree that kids oh, can goodness. climb on. So softball and four different pods. We'll bring in some uh, some woven sort of you know pods for them to play in. Loose parts. We'll have cubby building. Um, a dry creek bed um, and anything else I can think of before now and sort of Saturday. So it should be an amazing experience. So ideas if, can still keep flowing. Yeah, that's right, hey, yeah. yeah. Throw them in. They usually yeah, well, give us a call minute, if there's so. any kids or mums and dads listening and you want to, yeah, have your input. Let us know. Call eight double two three double o double o. I and love few, that you reach out to kids to help you with these ideas, don't you? What do you find that they want the most? It's, it's interesting to get because obviously my um, the playgrounds that we build are natural playgrounds. Mm-hmm. So it's natural environment so it's hard for kids to think beyond what they already see so if you ask them what they want in their new playground they'll say I want a giant slide I want a water slide a swimming pool a you know five-story tree house you know (laughs) all these crazy things I think the best one I ever heard was a a slippery dip that went underneath a a pond that had a clear tunnel underneath so as they slid under the pond they could look up and see the fish underneath so I I thought that was amazing but unfortunately um, finances budget didn't didn't allow (laughs) it budget didn't allow that one but hardly surprising but I like it up there for thinking and and that's the beautiful thing about asking kids you know they come up with the most amazing ideas and sometimes we can do them sometimes we need to modify them a little bit but it's really important I think is the question you ask is what do you want to do Mm. and when you say what you want to do it changes it's not a giant slide they say I want to jump I want to run I want to play you know so then you can sort of tease out those things you can do in natural forms so it's really really important to sort of ask them the questions because they're the ones who are going to be using it so true and the other thing that we're doing is jumping onto the things that kids also love to do so they love fire trucks (laughs) i know my kids do and so we're bringing the juna fire truck into the world environment fair and talking about what we do there with helping protect our environment from bushfires and other things with the fire truck yes we've got the boat that we use in our marine parks coming in so kids will be able to hop on the boat and have a have a go there hop on the platform and look around and we're also having a green trail which is a little bit like the yellow brick road that you might have done when you've gone to the royal adelaide show so we're we're going to have a green trail and kids are going to be able to go and collect things and learn things along the way and, you know, fill their bags with goodies. So from story corners to playgrounds to fire trucks, I think um, it's going to be a pretty great fair. I tell you what, there's so much to celebrate, isn't there, with our parks and gardens? Oh, it is. And I think it's that thing that sometimes you just have to be reminded of how much we've got here in South Australia. Mm. I know I talk about Kangaroo Island a lot because it's that place where, you know, it's now in the Lonely Planet top visits of the world. I think it's like the top five visit yeah, how destination. Well, I keep meeting South Australians who say, oh, I haven't gone I haven't. Yet. It's terrible. Oh, look, I haven't. You're going to have to come with us because we know sure. all of the great spaces <laughs> around there. Like sure. the, the rangers on KI know all the best walks to do. So, Oh, it's just so pretty, isn't it? It's um, And I wanted to also talk to you about um, waste management and climate change. There is a very serious side to, you know, World Environment Day. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think climate change is another example of where you know, serious things are happening to the to the globe. And I, my experience is that kids understand this and talk about it and mm. they recognise that there's there's things that we More all so need to do us, and change. Really. Exactly, and it's their planet that they're going to be inheriting. So 
What I do find, though, is trying to take it from the sense of impending doom to what can you do? So what's yeah, the action? What can we change? Yeah, let's it is doom. That's right. And, and that's the part that I really love engaging with kids about because they know that they can change from recycling. They know they probably know more about um, climate change than some of their parents do. So, mm. it's a, you know, my kids love sort of showing me up on those kind of things. <laughs> so I think it's one of the things that kids can channel. And, and that's one of the ways that we're trying to think differently about climate change. So we talk about carbon neutral Adelaide and trying to have Adelaide as the world's first carbon neutral city. And the reason that we've done that is in part to sort of share a bit of an aspiration about what can we positively do together. And um, that's what I really try and remind people about is there is action that we can do and we can actually change things in our local decision making, our community decision making, as well as what we need to do globally to have a, a different climate. Well, Cindy, what have you done to, you know, to help sustain our natural resources and, and waste management and climate change and water and, you know, the list goes on. Yeah, there's, that, there's a lot we've done and there's a lot more we can do. I mean, South Australia has a hugely proud history around waste and mm. the, the thing I often talk about, and I remember this as a kid, is being the only place in Australia that had the refund for bottles, the bottle yes. recycling, the plastic container recycling, and that's actually been We've hit 40 years this year. How good so is that? We are, we are world leaders and certainly leaders in Australia on that. And the other states are just joining in now. So I think we're going to finally have national container deposit legislation in the coming years. But, you know, we've got the 40 years of experience. And then we were the first place in Australia to ban the plastic bag. Well, that's so. what's so... I mean, you know, I don't know if you saw it, but on um, ABC last week or the week before, they had that show, War on Waste. Yeah. And it was one of their highest rating shows. And a lot of it was about these plastic plastic bags. And I was watching, I was thinking, how on earth is the rest of Australia so far? I mean, Canberra do it, I believe. But we're leaders, aren't we, in so many ways with all of this sort of thing. It's very Absolutely. commendable. It is. And the great part is, you know, I've, I often think it's the way that, you know, when you're a kid with scouts or other things, it's a fundraiser. You know, you are actually turning the positive story there. You're understanding mm. that, you know, plastic waste ends up in our oceans often and there's real damage there. But then there's the other part too. There's, you know, we've got so many solar panels in South Australia more than anywhere else in Australia and, and one of the highest levels in the world. Well, we need to be the ones ready for the recycling of those components when this round of solar panels needs to be replaced, you know, 20 mm. or 30 years, what will be next? And thinking about those other forms of recycling, and that's one of the things that we do with our waste levy and with our waste schemes, is actually trying to think of new industries, new jobs, and be much more forward-thinking about what, what the whole circular economy looks like. So not just... Um, recycling everything but actually making different choices about what we consume and how we consume it in the whole big circle of of the way things twist and turn <laughs> sandy thank you very much ian and simon thanks for coming into the studio